0: That's what I'm talking about, son. Get you some of that, that old pie. Woo hoo! you there. There's your
1: bug-eyed big one right there. Getting started. We're getting started. Here's what I'm talking
0: about. God dang gorilla! Let's go, baby. Straight meat. God, look at that big. Welcome in everybody to the podcast. This is the BAM Pod and I am your host Big Ed and let me tell you uh, I've been wanting to interview this guy for a little while and I know that you guys love to hear from him because he is one of the top anglers out there. He has been one of the top anglers for a very long time now. He does some amazing things on the water and a lot of people follow him but tonight we have Fletcher Shryock and I did that right and let me tell you took a while to get it right. But, hey, Fletcher, welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for getting the name right. But if you butcher
0: it later, don't sweat <laughs> it. We're good. So, no thanks problem. for having
1: me on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'll tell you what, from now on, it's just Fletcher. Uh, <laughs> so right. You, you know, got it out we, once. I heard it. <laughs> that's all that counts. I can record it from now on. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, the last couple of weeks – Kind of talking about the different changes in the weather that's going on and how that affects the fishing. And, and on this show, what we're really trying to do is try to help people become better anglers. And with you being one of the top anglers in the country, um, you know, it's it's great to hear the way you want to approach it. And one of the things I'd asked you before the show was a little bit about, you know, what's your kind of what's your best tactics and what you kind of like around here. And one of the things that really um, you know, came out was grass and how much you enjoy fishing the grass and with the months coming up you know we've got you said you know grass right now is at its peak and it's it's some of the best it's going to be whereas September and things like that they're going to be dying off now if you're one we'll start this by saying if you're fishing a lake that has grass because you did say that so and if you're not then you know find something else to do but is this what you consider the best time of year to catch bass?
1: Now, this is September. I think is the absolute worst time to catch bass. Pretty well throughout the country. There may be an exceptional Florida can still possibly be good. You know, um, and then obviously up north, smallmouth fishing can still be really good in September. The wind starts to blow, but the smallmouth fishing is always good anytime the ice is off. But yeah, overall, September sucks. Um but yeah, like I was saying, that, you know, if you can go fish a grass lake or a lake that even has a little bit of grass, the fish are definitely more grass oriented this time of year. And I think the biggest reason for that is number one, it provides oxygen, been hot, continues to be hot. The dog days of summer are starting, you know, like there's a lot of reasons why they would gravitate towards the grass this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um for sure. And that's really what I like to target. Now if you're fishing a lake that doesn't have grass, like it's not going to be near as good for the most part, generally speaking, that's going to suck even worse. But it's all, you know, whenever you go into tournament fishing and things like that, you know, you take a grass like it in the fall, it may in September it still could take, you know, 17, 18, maybe 20 pounds. You know, that's going to be on a really good place. But, you know, you take a place that doesn't have grass, man, you may be grinding to catch 7 or 8 or 10 pounds, you know, for the win, for a place that usually kicks out a 15 or 20-pound bag for a win. So, you know, it's all relative obviously in tournament fishing, but if I had, had to have my pick, it would be to have a lake full of grass. It's most developed that it's going to be all year, as long as they haven't sprayed it and the bait fish get in there, the blue get in there. There's just so many reasons why it's, why it's good this time
0: of year. Yeah. You know, one of the things you said in there was, you know, some of the bait fish really start to cool school up and get into that grass. Um, is that still, what you're targeting that grass with right now is it when you go out I mean is it like hey I got a spinnerbait in my hand I got a swim bait in my hand I got you know something small or something big or this is I guess I guess the other side of that too would be the maturity level of those fish this time of year I guess they're going to be the bigger bait so are you throwing what is it that are you totally targeting that or are you flipping creature baits and looking for crawdad bites are you when does that kind of transition
1: You know, I will say that in September, what makes it really tough, worse than Mm -hmm. October, October can actually have some phenomenal days. I feel like, just generally speaking, right? Um, In September, you start to see all the small bait fish balls, those newly fresh shad, you know, yearling shad, call it, uh, real small bait. They start to pull up near the surface, and I think that's an oxygen level thing, because the water is whatever, we'll call it 90 degrees or, you know, warm for whatever lake and whatever region, the oxygen starts to die off deeper. I feel like it pushes that bait fish up there. Everything's still hot, for the most part, pretty stagnant, lack of rain. And I feel like, you know, obviously them bait fish eventually start to migrate. You start to get a couple of them cool nights. And what happens and what I think makes the fishing tough, one of many reasons, but them bass start to get on that small bait. And it's very, very hard. I've had them schooling on those small baits or small groups of bait fish before schooling all around me and you cannot catch one even if you're throwing say a quarter ounce bill lewis rattle trap type of thing like they get sometimes they'll get so keyed in on the tiny stuff that it's really hard to trick them with a normal size lure that we would throw any other time of year there's a lot of things that make it tough i think i kind of got off a little bit on what the original oh. question was No, oh, you could but But whenever that, you know, when that bait fish is present, and then another thing, too, in September that you don't see in October, September you have, or you start to see a lot more in October, September you have hot, you know, it's hot, and then you start to get some cool nights, but it's still so dang hot that everything's just at this weird holding point. And then once you start getting a couple cool nights, and we finally got that here in Tennessee, North Alabama, just recently, and I was out fishing last night, and I could tell it made all the difference. It's starting to make those bait fish push towards the back of the pockets because that's where the cooler water is going to be. That's where the grass is going to be. That's where the oxygen is going to be, for the most part, generally speaking. And then the bass eventually, come October, make a full migration along with the bait to the backs of a lot of those places. Just generally speaking, we want to say the backs. Every fishery is a little bit different. I don't okay. want to mislead anyone. This is a general rule. You know, they follow they follow that bait the cooler the nights get the shorter the days get the more they're going to start following and chasing that bait and then eventually in october i'm going to say you're going to have a collision where obviously the days are getting shorter so you can't enjoy it as much but you will have collisions in october with top water or maybe a quarter ounce trap or but there's so many different options right and uh you'll have that collision where you finally catch the bass actively feeding on the bait and all hell breaks loose for, you know, call it a week, couple weeks or whatever. And uh, then it usually gets a little bit slower, but uh, October can be really good.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that there, um, the topwater bite. And I think that's one of those, for me, that's always been one of the most exciting ways to fish. And it's, you know, and I think that for everybody too, is that once you start getting that topwater bite, with October coming up and um, some of the, some of that bait really schooling back there, is this one of those times when topwater for you, does it really start to make that change? And I know, I know you know you know, September sucks. I've I've gotten that part, but is it is it this time of year that you start going to the topwater and looking for that bite more than anything? And does it produce bigger fish, the topwater compared to this time? Some of the others? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This time of year, I feel like if there was one safe bet hands down across the country, one safe bet. You got to throw a top water from basically morning, noon, and night, and that's going to be your best chances not only catch numbers, but to catch quality, just generally speaking. Um, I'm a big flipper. I like to punch. Um, that's obviously being on the Tennessee River, near Guntersville, Nickajack, you know, the whole chain. I have an option to punch grass in places, but then you also still have those you still areas where the bass use it just like they do anywhere else where it doesn't matter, up, you know. Right. And uh, a lot of those same same theories apply out there. So, yeah, you can definitely take a topwater. And I feel like a lot of times it's, you know, your bone color, your white, mm. you're trying to match the hatch, some of the smaller stuff, if you know they're on smaller bait. But once you get into October and you've had several cool nights and you start to see those bigger shad get active, then I'm fully comfortable going to just the standard, you know, the more standard topwater, full-size buzz bait, things like that.
0: And as it, what is your what is your favorite – uh you know top water to really to to go after fish with i mean if you're searching if you're looking what's that one that you're going you know what i'm putting this in my hand and i ain't putting it down i know a lot of guys have said buzz baits uh, chatter baits um or not chatter baits, but uh whopper ploppers uh you know zara spooks what's that one bait that that you know fletcher just i gotta throw this this is what i this is what i find my good fish on
1: yeah, hands down for me, it's a buzzbait just because of the situations that I find myself in. A lot of times around some kind of heavy cover, whether it be bushes or what grass, whatever. A lot of times, the area that the areas that I choose to that I seek typically aren't a place that I can just pick up a th- spook and throw it, just throw it around. You know what I mean? I that buzzbait, I can cover a lot of water. It's pretty dang weedless. Um, you know, I can hang a fish up and cover and get them out. Yeah, I mean that. Single hook. The buzz bait's definitely my uh favorite, favorite top water for sure.
0: Now, when you're when you're throwing that bait and you're uh, you know, you you talked a lot about the you know, the bait are small right now still, and they're gonna be small for a little bit, but there's gonna be better ones coming up. Does that matter when you're throwing that buzz bait and you're throwing are you throwing it with a trailer? Um, when you're looking for better fish and you're throwing it without a trailer when you're when you're targeting those smaller shad and trying to look like those smaller shad, I should say, not targeting but trying to look like that smaller bait is that what you're doing without a trailer or do you throw with a trailer anyways
1: you know i like i really like just throwing them in september when they're on the real small bait it's such a pain but uh just a little eight ounce white buzz bait is such Man. a killer you know just a tiny compact bait with the skirt trimmed down you know it just looks like a small kind of like what they're already feeding on that's definitely uh and you got to use things. You got to have the wind at your back. A lot of—I mean, you could probably most guys would want to throw on a spinning rod, but that's one uh, very deadly bait um, this time of year.
0: Okay, a little eight, when they're eight still on the small
1: bait. bait. You know,
0: yeah, yeah that and that's yeah, kind of little eight I, ounce buzz bait. Little eight ounce buzz bait. I think that's you know, um, a lot of people don't want to throw that, like you said, because it's. I mean, when you think of a buzzbait, you you want to throw it on a on a on a baitcaster. You want to throw it on a stiffer rod. You you know, blah blah blah. But like you said, if you're throwing that eight ounce one, go down. Do you particularly or do you consistently throw it on a spinning rod at that point, or do you still throw it on a baitcaster?
1: I've done both, and I I just try to stick with the baitcaster, just keep hey. the wind at my back. I don't ever throw it into the wind. You know what I yeah. mean? Right. Um, You'll end up hearing some bad words in my boat. Uh, so I just keep the wind at <laughs> my back, trying to keep all that stuff, you know, in the forefront of my mind, but, you know, trying to utilize every way you can to get it, get it out away from the boat. Top, you know, on top water fishing, long casts are, are so important. So you got to use, utilize, you know, every advantage you can. And honestly, I guess it really doesn't matter what top water it is. I'd probably throw it with the wind at my back. Yeah. Just because casting does is such a big deal, but that's all another conversation, but.
0: No, it's not enough for the conversation. It's a perfect one for this one because it was the next question I was going to ask you is, when you're throwing that topwater, do you like to have it further away from the boat or are you... I mean, everything's pretty quiet these days. I get, you know, trolling motors are quiet. Electronics are not as like they used to be. Um, every, nothing's clunky in the boat. So does it matter to you how far away from the boat you can get it? Or is it like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this thing 10, 15 feet in front of me and just keep going. Just quick, quick, quick. Or is it more of a, I want to make the longest cast I can and, and bring it right down a grass line or right down that piece of cover? Or does it really matter?
1: For me, I... Uh... When I watch a guy make real short presentations with what, whatever, a frog or yeah, mm-hmm. will do that with a frog, like super up close, skip it around. Like me mentally, I, get, man, I, I like that distance. I feel like whether they hear you, I feel like they can see you. Honestly, mm-hmm. I feel like they can see us um, at a certain distance out, depending obviously where they're hanging out at. Blah blah blah. Every situation is a little bit different, but yeah, I've definitely noticed. I consider it, or I call it a buffer zone around my boat. And obviously it changes in varying conditions and times and all that, but there's a buffer zone around the boat in which I feel like you cannot catch one. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, you know, just statistically speaking, um, I want to have a better than 50% chance of catching one. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So there's a buffer zone around the boat. And I feel like with top water, it's even the buffer zones even further. That's just my opinion. You have to be able to make accurate casts. Mm-hmm somewhere between making an accurate cast and the longest that you can throw the dang thing, wherever those two <laughs> lines intersect that's where it needs to be, you know, like where you can put it accurately, accurately at a distance, mm-hmm. that's going to give you your best chance. There's no question. Now, will they bite you up close? Yeah, they do. Cause I've watched other guys do it. It happens to me sometimes, but overall I'm going to take the distance.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that, you know, and that's, that's one of those things I think a lot of people, like you said, they're, uh, you know they don't really think about you know I got to get this thing as far away as I can I don't know if I can make that cast you know a super long cast and it be accurate um I think that comes down to good equipment good line you know that sort of thing too but you know this is a this is a, a learning from you about you know how to make good quality casts is also a very you know important thing as well you know I think like guys go out and and one of the things is is equipment you know um you know and we should talk about that a little bit is this time of year you're throwing smaller baits you're trying to you know match that hatch you're you're throwing there's going to be more wind coming up because we've got storms coming over i don't know what it's like in the south as much but i know there's a lot more storms there than there is here um and you Mm -hmm. know the the kind of equipment that people buy um as much as i want to say yeah you can go down to walmart pick up any old rod and throw it out there and catch fish that's probably true but you know we look at guys like you and you have, you know, tons of rods and, and, and having sponsors and been doing it as long as you have and the success you've had, but we should probably talk about that a little bit is what, it, why is it important to have really good gear this time of year?
1: Bash U folks, information is pouring over. If you want to learn more about every lake, how to fish shallow, deep in between, skipping docks and rocks and cranking, slow wiggling, chatter, smattering, you get it at Bass U we got the best of the best. If somebody's ever caught a bass on something and perfected the technique, we got you covered. Get on Bash U TV, check it out, sign up, be a member, be part of it, folks. Keep learning. I'm Gerald Swindle. Subscribe to Bash U. Well, I'll say, you know, whenever I think of really good gear, um, I don't necessarily even think of price point when it comes to a lot of techniques that I do in fishing. Um, you know, we're talking about a buzz bait here and guys think, "Oh, you need to have a $300 rod to throw a buzz bait on. And dude, truth of the matter is like, I could go to Walmart, just about any Walmart walk in there and walk out or walk out of there with a really good buzz bait, maybe two buzz bait rods, like for, for a smaller buzzer, like what I was talking about. And then your regular size one, um, there's a lot of actions in those, you know, in those stores or whatever, like there's, there's a lot yeah. of good actions like for a lot of general, like casting and retrieving actions that you don't have to have anything real fancy or expensive to, uh, to do, especially this technique that we're talking about. I did right. want to mention, um, I think a lot of guys like throwing top water on braid. I originally years ago started throwing a buzz bait on mono. Uh, then I went to braid. I thought that was better for a few years and I made a uh, full circle back to yeah. monofilament. Um, been a huge game changer. So here I am. You know, a lot of guys are talking forward facing sonar and things like that. We're talking about September bass fishing, at least in the South where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you just need an eighth ounce buzz bait and uh, some monofilament, some vicious monofilament, and the thirty dollar rod from Walmart to go catch them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's that's a great- the forward facing sonar. <laughs> this deal overall <laughs> in this region of the country. Is that right. really going on right now? We just had a tournament at Watts Bar up the road. It yep. uh, really didn't play there for those guys, if anyone noticed. So it's definitely a time that you can you – can, uh, you don't have to break the bank to catch them, you know?
0: Well, you know, and that's important this time of year for people to kind of understand that, one, as much as this month isn't really the good time of year, October coming up, it's been – you know, it's been said last couple weeks on this show that October is going to be one of those really good times of year. But if you're just new into this sport, if you're just now trying to go out, here's one of the top guys in the country. (laughs) Fletcher's out here. This is a guy who has, you know, $300 rods to throw if he wants to. He's got all the great equipment out there, and he's out there throwing a decent rod, a good rod, and he's throwing it with a good reel, and he's throwing it on mono, and and he's throwing and catching really good fish. So pay attention to the fact that he just said you don't have to break the bank to go out this time of year and catch fish. Now, for sure, you know. And the rod say, I was going to add the rod that I like
1: to use is like a seven foot medium heavy from Favorite to their Pro Series. Um, yeah. They also make a couple rods. Favorite makes a couple rods in the Whitebird in that seven foot range. I think they have a seven four medium heavy. It's also hmm. really good for slinging bigger topwaters and things like that around. And I think that rod's like an eighty nine dollar rod. So uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of options to make it to make it work.
0: Right. I mean, you're talking basically for 120 to $150 rod, reels, everything else. You're out the door, you're fishing and you're doing, you, you've got a versatile rod that you can go out there and catch with. And that's important this time of year. You know, the guys aren't trying to break the bank to go out and do some fishing. You don't have to lie to your wife all the time. Just, just once in a while, earlier in the year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: That's it. <laughs> this time of year you can totally be truthful <laughs> no that rod didn't cost me that much it was a 100 bucks <laughs> you know, so yep, yep, um, that's it. but uh you know going into that a little bit more and talking about you know you're you're in tennessee you're fishing gunnersville you're fishing nickajack you're fishing all these waters that have grass now Unfortunately, there's a bunch of places. I mean, where I live, we have the Delta, we've got Clear Lake and things like that where there is grass, but we also have places like Oroville. We have places like you guys just came, you know, down back down from the north, and you were up there fishing all those smallmouth up there in, you know, very little grass. Um, what do you talk to? What do you kind of tell people about fishing? if you don't have grass, if you don't have things to target, you know, consistently and you're fishing those lakes that are just open, what is your, what's your kind of go-to method for finding fish like that? I mean, it's gotta be, you know, we, yeah, we, so, do, we gotta find it.
1: So for me this time of year, I'm going to leave the whole suspended forward facing sonar conversation completely out of this. Cause honestly, <laughs> I don't know enough. I still don't know if we all know enough about these fish yet and what's actually going on to say, if that's the deal, I I think there's definitely, you know, fish under that smaller bait that can be caught doing that little hover stroll and things like that. I'm going to leave that out of it. Okay. But I don't know enough about that to really give a full opinion. But, um, most of it's just dirt, dirt, shallow fishing for me this time of year, just about anywhere I go that doesn't have grass. I feel like, Um, um, The oxygen level gets, you know, extremely low, deeper than fish push shallow. The fish have been, you know, extra pressured up until this point. And I feel like, uh, you know, with so many people fishing out too is another thing. Mm -hmm. I just feel like shallow this time of year, like uncomfortable kind of shallow can provide, maybe not a great day of fishing when you consider the whole year, but you can definitely go shallow and pound around and get four, five, six, seven bites and and win win tournaments uh on places that you normally wouldn't fish that shallow but september's that time where you know it can go down like that
0: yeah you know it's funny i i got i was able last year to fish gunnersville um and to just fish just fish in the south in general and when i hear you guys talk about dirt dirt shallow um i mean how I'm thinking, I mean, the whole Lake Gunnerville only seemed like it was like the deepest part was like 10 or 12 feet. And so, you know, I I look at some of the lakes out there. I mean, Percy Priest is right there. Like you said, there's some of these other ones that are just, I mean, it's a lot of dirt and it's very shallow, the whole lake. So what's, what do you consider really shallow? Like, one foot, two foot, five feet, 10 feet. Cause here in California, I mean, we're dealing with lakes that are, you know, 300 feet deep and I don't, I've never seen that down there.
1: Yeah. I even think every lake is different, but generally speaking, um, well, I say that I want to say this too. Like there are certain lakes (laughs) that they just live shallower than others. You know, like I said, I just don't want to be misleading because there's so many outliers fishing and there's right. a lot of outliers <laughs> in every situation, so I don't ever want to really throw anybody off.
0: Well, it's not guaranteed. I mean, fishing's uh, not guaranteed, right? I mean, you're never you're never guaranteed that everything's going to work, as you would say it, you know, out there. But at the same time, there's got to be a place for people to just, you know, what you talked about. Let's start. Let's start shallow. And some guys shallow might be ten feet. I, for me, shallow is ten feet, twelve feet, fifteen feet. That's shallow. But other places, I'll say that's, this. that's an entire go? lake
1: but uh, let's go with this then basically where whatever the depth line is that you can see the bottom, like a visibility line. Right. So if I look into the water and I can say, ah, it's about two feet. I'm saying shallow is going to be, you know, one to one to three feet or somewhere around that visibility line. If you're on a lake that's got, you know, eight foot of visibility, they're obviously going to live a little bit deeper. I'm going to tell you to focus on, you know, that, that eight, uh, you know, eight to five range or something, you know what I mean? Or maybe that 10 to five range and start there. If you feel like you're getting bit on the five, then move up to the five to two. You know, you take some scenarios like what my brother did uh, this year on the Elite, almost one at Lake Murray. Like Murray's a super clear lake. When I say dirt shallow, like there's that two to three foot zone that's like, oh, wow, that's pretty shallow. He was catching them literally on the bank. Like I don't <laughs> know how a four or five pound bass, and this is with clear water probably right. five foot visibility i don't know how a bat the bass that were that big even got up there physically let alone enough to hunt down a lure like that um so it can surprise you sometimes how shallow they can get but i basically take that rule that i just gave you the visibility line if it's, you can see however far down start around that and fish around that visibility line it's a good place to go um yeah that's a
0: great that's a great you know, rule right there, honestly, because that, that does give people when you're looking at water it, and you can, it's like, Hey, look, I can see down four or five feet, six feet, whatever it is. I mean, I've got lakes that I can see 25 feet. So I'm going to start fishing in 20 feet of water from now on, but I'm just, saying, you know, but that's a great point to get to that, you know, to get to that. If there's a question about how shallow is shallow, but like you said, I mean, there's always that time when they're, you know, two feet, one foot, an inch, <laughs> Like you said, how does five yeah, How does, does, a, five a, b- a, how does a five-pound suit. bass sit in three inches of water? <laughs> but
1: and my and I'll say this: my best day, my best day ever, whether it was all you could catch or biggest five or whatever, mm-hmm. came at a play at a place in North Carolina a few years ago at Heavy Hitters. When I say uncomfortably, like I think my best five was right at thirty-five pounds, I think, or wow. sorry, I forget No, But maybe it was right at thir- Sorry, not thirty-five. It was right at 30 um and the overall i forget it was really good but what was crazy was my trolling motor every now and then would like dig bottom wow fishing for that for those fish so and that's with the trolling motor up it's not down like that's with the <laughs> trolling motor all the way up and it would still the skag of my trolling motor would still scrape gravel every now and then wow. so and i was catching the fish shallower than that right so right. uh yeah, there's there's certain pla like there's a lot more often than not. I feel like most lakes, uh, they get that shallow. I do. I will say that most most lakes they will fit. They at some point in time during the year they get up to that shallow and are comfortable. You know, so yeah. Well, you know, I, what most people would deem you know deem as fishable or you know something that they would waste their time with.
0: Um. No. Yeah. Definitely. And that. And that's like you said. It's it it's tough to think that shallow but they're there, (laughs) so you got to, and one, and you know, that kind of leads me into one of the things you said earlier was about, you know, you guys just came off a Watts bar, you're up there fishing. And one of the things I noticed was that there were um, some guys who were really focused on the jig bite and they were fishing, you know, they're fishing a little deeper I, I would, you know, they were fishing that five to seven foot range for a lot of them. Is this a time of year when the jig bite turns on, or is it more of a um I guess uh, just the, the end of it? I, I don't know how to, I I guess that's the best way to say it. Is it like the end of the jig bite, or is it the the beginning of it? Or is that something I know that you like to flip, I know you like to pitch, I know you like to do that sort of thing. Is this a time of year when you when you think about that as well? Because we've talked about bait fish this entire time, and and bait fish I think is is gonna be still the most prevalent. But with that jig bite, is it there now, or is you know, are you going to wait a little longer? When does that really turn on?
1: So I'll say this as a flipper that likes to flip 365 <laughs> days a year. Um, you know, if I can, I will. Yeah. Um, I will say September is that one month. Just generally speaking, general statements here. September is the one month that I feel the least amount of confidence in a jig or any sort of creature bait in my hand. That doesn't mean I still won't do it because here's what I'll say about September 2, and we haven't mentioned it much. Sometimes it's a junk fishing deal. Sometimes you have to flip one out of a lay down. You have to catch one on a bridge with a shaky head. You got to catch one on an MR6 crankbait, and you got to catch one in a, on a buzzbait. Or what, you know what I mean? Like It's a lot of junk fishing too. Yeah. But I will say it is probably the worst time to throw a jig or a bottom bait, generally speaking, the worst time. Okay. Not, not obviously guys caught a lot more on it. Um uh, there's like I said, I'm just generally speaking, it's the one time yeah. I have the least amount of confidence. For me, it would be September.
0: Wow, that's a big statement right there. I mean, yeah. honestly, because you know, you talk about grass, and I think I think what people think of grass and you know how much how much it, it has to play a role if you're that into flipping, if you're that into pitching, you know, you you want to make those you're just into that how much that has to be something that you're thinking about throwing the jigs, throwing the, you know, the creature base, flipping those into grass. I think that's what people think about the most when they think about fishing grass is being getting inside of that grass. But what I've kind of heard and what I've kind of taken away from what you said is that honestly throwing over it or around it or down the sides of it can produce this time of year better than being inside of it, inside of that grass. Is that a tree No, you absolutely
1: take? not. So I'm trying to okay. I'm trying to give you a lot of generals here and not speak <laughs> just 10. Just, but no, if I can flip if I can flip grass to some degree, yeah. some mm-hmm. form of matted or just flip grass. And there obviously grass, there's enough grass present to be tall enough to flip and or punch. I'm going okay. with that deal. I'm going with that deal nine times out of ten, dude. I'm trying okay. to I'm trying to like you just give generals here. Outside of that. <laughs> when you just talk general pitching, flipping, bottom baits, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm 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 trying to throw something moving, top water, you know, chatterbait, that kind of thing. In September more than any other time of month. But if obviously if punching is available, yeah, then Fletcher's gonna punch. But if that's not, then yeah, I would rather wind something for sure.
0: Okay. Um I guess another thing that I know was talking about or was listening to when you said was uh, you know, Cooling off of the water, uh, the water changing in just the slightest little temperature changes, one, two degrees, three degrees, the fish start to move towards the the, the bait starts to move towards the back, the bass go chasing them. If you, if you have, a, I guess, a waterway where you have some water flowing, maybe you have uh, a turbine that turns on or the water gets, you know, they open the dam or they do whatever in your area there's a lot of that that goes on certain lakes. They turn, you know, Hey, they start generating power at a certain amount of time or whatever. And they turn on the water and the water starts going with that movement of water. Does it turn that grass on? And where do you kind of target if it's, I guess, on and off, where do you kind of target grass this time of year? Because it is, you know, such a tough time.
1: I'll say, uh, General statement. Obviously, again, I want to say like September, you're going to be more. You're going to want to be more around that current, around that Mm -hmm. flow, uh, for sure. More main, obviously, more main river, main lake oriented. Okay. Um, But they are very scattered in September. Here's the one thing I don't know if I've mentioned or we've mentioned. And the reason why the flipping thing and the bottom bait thing is doesn't something that doesn't exist. It's just harder uh, than what it usually is. Become they just become so fixated on bait fish. Typically smaller bait fish like I mentioned. And that's what I I just don't know if they not I'm not saying that we're gonna pass up a crawdad on the bottom because right. they're not. They're opportunistic creatures, but they are fixated on bait. So that changes, you know, my my bait preference as to why I was saying that earlier. So okay. um um
0: okay, but it so I get you know, and we and we talked about the buzz baits and we talked about some of the topwater stuff. What is it that you what's your favorite i guess bait fish imitation that you will use this time of year then because i mean i've heard that from several people now is that you know what this is this is bait fish time of year you are going to catch more fish that are searching for bait fish right now and i mean is it like hey you know what i'm going to pick up a a drop shot and i'm going to throw that. Is it something that you're going to you know what i like throwing little swim baits i like throwing you know you talked about the rattle traps and that sort of thing what really becomes your favorite bait for that moving just covering water and and going out there and, and catching fish, other than other so than the talk about, other that catch. you talked about,
1: <laughs> other than the buzz bait, uh, yeah. other than the buzz bait, which that's what I'm going to throw most of the time, just about anywhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, the uh, the smaller chatter bait, they make a uh, I guess it's just a micro. There's a smaller chatter bait, just a smaller profile that right. Man makes. Yamamoto actually has a little three inch Zako now. Oh, okay. um, cause it, you know, the four inch is what everyone's thrown for the last several years and it's done really well. Well, they just made this year, this year, I think they just dropped it a three inch version for those smaller chatter baits. Whenever you're around that smaller bait, I mean, you can throw, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure I could throw it on the back of a buzz bait. Um, but that little chatter bait, that little white chatter bait, obviously is a great bait fish imitator. Um, even like a little white swim jig. I like to, you know, throw something a little bit smaller. Uh, Yamamoto just come out with a three inch Yamacraw. Uh, the four inch Yamacraw was great. They come out with a three inch. You throw that on the back of a swim jig and white, smaller, little compact quarter ounce jig that looks like, you know, that's more river fishing type stuff, but, uh, that's definitely one, um, really hard to pass up a quarter ounce Bill Lewis trap and say like one of my favorite colors is Silverado. Just looks like a, you know, just a pretty basic shad. But that's what a lot of the bait fish size are is about the size of that quarter ounce below traps. So okay. that's another really good one. Obviously, you've got the whole D'Amiki rig forward facing sonar thing that's going to play across the country, I think, a lot this yeah. fall. You know, because guys are still learning, learning that whole deal. I'm still learning. I'm going to spend a lot of time this winter actually uh, messing with it. But I think that that could be a player too over those suspended fish forward facing sonar conversation thing too. But, uh, man, yeah. there's really a lot of things that work this time of year, junking around just to try to generate some bites. And like I said, if you're not in the grass, it's going to, it's, it's a struggle in the grass too at times. Um, but when you're not around it, it's, it's, it's you junk, junk your way around, do the best you can to try to put something together, you know?
0: Okay. Just, and just basically waiting for October to get here. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, basically. <laughs> so, but it's.
1: But it just depends. Like as a tournament fisherman, like yeah. I don't care if it takes seven pounds to win or twenty-seven. Sometimes I'd almost prefer being trying to go it out to catch seven. Honestly, you know. Um, yeah. So it, it's all
0: relative. For nearly one hundred years, Grundens has built gear you can trust to keep you fishing no matter the weather conditions, with head-to-toe coverage of high-performance outerwear, sportswear, footwear, and much more. It's no wonder Grundon's products are backed by some of the bass fishing's most prominent figures, such as Skeet Reese, Randall Tharp, Adrian Avina, and Jonathan Van Dam, just to name a few. Grundon's, we are fishing. Yeah, and that's and that's basically the difference. I mean, a lot now. A lot of guys that are that are listening to this show, they are tournament guys, you know, and and so they're they're kind of used to that. The same thing. It's like, hey, we got to figure out. You know, I'm sure you do a lot of research before you go to a lake on, hey, what is winning, you know, a tournament here? What what should I be catching, you know, as I go there? Um, or just the knowledge of been doing it for so long that, you know what, I know when I go to Gunnersville, or I know when I go up, you know, up to New York and I go here and I, you know, you probably know the areas and what you're going to be catching. Um, but when you when you lock that in, there are a lot of there are a lot of people out here that just fish their home lake all the time. You know, and they just want to go out, have a good time. And I think that a lot of the stuff that you talked about really gives them that good, you know, that good heads up on, hey, maybe I should be trying this. And um, I think not focusing on the on the forward facing sonar right now probably going to help because I don't know that the, the average angler out there right now really, you know, you're doing this for a living. You're out there on the water and you're telling us how difficult it is to kind of understand that full range of that forward-facing sonar it's a difficult thing to understand i guess and it's one of those ones it's that not what i'm
1: good for if guys want to ban it like or what you know what i mean like it's just it's really that powerful i mean i'm, wow. I'm totally on the fence on on whether they want to ban it not ban it like i i see all sides of it to where mm-hmm. i'm in the middle i will right. tell you this if they take it away from me hey we're going to be lost bro I don't know what I I was even thinking about that yesterday. I think if they took it away from me, like it would change even the way that I like to fish, it would change. It's that, it's that powerful of a tool. But with all that being said, you just said that I struggle to catch the suspended fish doing the Domeki style fish and all that. Dude, it still takes a lot to fully understand what's going on with them suspended fish, how to find them, when, when they're going to be, where, how to get them to bite. Like there's a lot to that. Like you just don't plug, plug on a uh, active target transducer and automatically just be a guru on how to chase fish around that act like birds and not fish, you know, or not the fish that we're used to hunting. So there's a lot to like understanding it. It's very potent. I feel like it's a little too dominant. I'm not going to complain about it. I use it too. My issue is it's boring to watch. It's just boring to watch for me as a fan. Um, But what do we do? I don't. I don't know. I don't. If you get, you ban. You know, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky subject. I don't know your opinion on it, but not that we have to talk about that. honestly I don't don't really. People with (laughs) that being said, it's still not easy. Yeah, it's just still not easy to catch them. But like when you take guys that really do start to understand it and learn it, and you can't beat them doing anything else, that's when it gets to be a little bit ridiculous, and it's not fun to watch at the same time. So I don't know, but um. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Just because you've got an active target doesn't right. mean you're just going to go catch them. all. So I respect <laughs> yeah. it. I just don't know if that's what's best for the future of everything. So
0: well, well and you know, and that's a great question because, you know, we, we, we've we talked about fishing, we've talked about getting people out there and they're, you know, want to catch fish and there's all this, you know, I, I'm sorry, but there's just so much junk out there now to, I mean, and I don't want to say it's junk, like it's junky, but I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. I mean, it's, um you know i've always said that probably the thing that has made the most impact on bass fishing and agree or don't agree but i still think it's the spot lock you know putting your being able to lock your boat in place gps it doesn't move it goes where you're at retie redo whatever be on a timeout because you flipped the fish the wrong the wrong way hit a carpet didn't hit a carpet you know anything you're out there on the water you've had a it's i think that changes a lot of stuff now guys are talking about, you know, the forward-facing sonar and how important that is, you know, and, and what you got to spend to get it and how much it is. And like you said, what if they just took it all away and went back to, you know, hey, you can use flashers and, <laughs> you know, and, and drift socks to get through your life. You know, I think bass fishing well, changes the, at that point. There's
1: a, Yeah, and and I don't know. If you do that, it, it changes the whole dynamic of everything, though. You got to realize that, right. too. like. Right. If you take away four face and sonar, as a shallow water guy, as mad as a, not, I, I'm definitely not a hater because I use it. Like I said, I just right. I do, do think it has some negative points, you know. But like, if you take as a shallow water guy, dude, most of my competition, let's just say half of my competition, they're out there beaming around trying to connect with the man on Mars and catch a fish, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm up beating the bangs, fishing, you know, the way that I like to fish, like I was saying, throwing a buzz bait, flipping whatever, up shallow. You take forward facing sonar away from everybody. Yep. Now there's all of us up on the bank doing <laughs> the same thing, beating up on each other. So, you know, it changes that dynamic of the of that whole situation. Who so right. that's why I hate to say to get rid of it because I think it would it would just make take everyone a step back, so we would all be on such a we would almost possibly be on two level of a playing field if you were to do what you just described. Not that I'm against it, but man, Mm -hmm. there'd be a lot of guys doing the same thing, (laughs) like (laughs) on top of each other, right? too, you know, so I don't know. In a lot of scenarios, I think that would play out a lot. I like the fact that guys have an option. I just don't like the fact that it's getting too much. It's just mm -hmm. taking, if you don't have it in a lot of tournaments now, you might as well stay home. I don't like that aspect of it, right? Um,
0: Right. I don't know. It's tricky. It it is, and I and I think it's one of those things that, for a lot of people, um, it's still a financial thing for them. You know, it's it not it's it's not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And you had mentioned something, probably. I mean, before we ever even started this show, we were talking, and you said something, and I said, you know what? That's a good question. But there are people that sit here and they watch, um, and 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 I I don't want you to bring the rivalries in, but we you know we were talking about the college football versus watching the NFL versus watching. And you would say, you know, I guess people probably look at me the same way as they do would as the average guy going out fishing is college. The guys that you, you guys, as as the top anglers in the country out there fishing, you're the NFL. And people look at you that same way as, Oh, this guy's got all the advantages. If I had what he had, I could do this. I, you know, I, I don't believe that anyway, stretch, you know, way, any form at all i think that you know guys are you guys put in a ton of work besides this but when you bring this forward-facing sonar into it everybody's got it on their boat that's a top pro but you still had to go buy it you may get a discount here and there for your you know sponsors and all that but how much do you think it would make a difference if everybody if it was so affordable that everybody had it how How much difference do you think it would make for that average guy on the water if he spent the time to learn it
1: man that's that's such a loaded question <laughs> I guess if the guy <laughs> I guess the main question if the guy was willing to learn it mm-hmm. I still think there'd be a lot of guys that wouldn't be willing to learn it, even if it was cheap right. Even if it was cheap, and I'm not trying to, I just think it, it, it is very time-consuming yeah. um, to understand. And I think that even though – obviously, the top pros are using it with great success. Uh, I feel like the average person wouldn't spend enough time, as is, they don't maybe spend enough time as, with every technique, to yeah. really master. And the only point that I'm trying to make with that is is it's not that easy. And you just heard me say, I will be okay no. with them banning it. <laughs> right like i just said I did. that statement but i'm also saying it is hard it is it is not the easiest thing just to plug and play i think for most people it's not well, automatic you and know that's, so and that's and that's kind of what I, i'm trying to make it's well, a lot of freaking work regardless to learn how to use that thing bass angler magazine is your guide to better bass fishing bass angler is dedicated to helping you catch more and bigger bass no matter what time of year or where you live This is not your ordinary fishing magazine. Every issue is jam-packed with 30-plus articles from the world's best bass anglers. Bass Angler Magazine is available at BassAnglerMag.com, Tackle Warehouse, Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's, Gander Mountain, Walmart, and better tackle shops everywhere. Bass Angler also makes a great gift for any angler. Get Bass Angler today and start catching more bass tomorrow. Visit BassAnglerMag.com or your favorite tackle shop. This is not your ordinary fishing magazine. com.
0: And that's kind of the point I was trying to make was that I think the average guy thinks think said, hey, I'm going to have forward-facing sonar on my boat, and if I do that, next week I'm fishing with Fletcher. I mean, we're we're on the wall. We're, we're competing, because that's it. It's a, it's over from there. I will have this thing and I will know it. And it's not one of those tools that, yes, is it a great tool? Yes. Do we want to sell them out there? Yes. Are they Are people going to buy them? Yes. But you have to put in so much work. And I think one of the things that we do on this show is try to make people better fishermen. And I think the stuff that you talked about earlier, fishing shallow, fishing different, you know, fishing different ways. And one of the most important things you said in there is if they took that away and said, you know what, forward-facing sonar is not going to be allowed. Would people stop buying it? No, because they're not fishing those tournaments. So they'd be fishing ones that are. And two is that you would have people fishing the way go back to the old ways of fishing where I have to find the targets to fish for. I have to, I can't focus on these fish that are out here because I have no way to find them anymore. So by you saying those things, And then
1: everybody is up there doing that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's going to be doing the same things. You know, they're beating the bank. They're, you know, looking up, and the guys who were to excel back in the day, you know, throwing crankbaits out deep ledges, just knowing that there were fish out there, guessing there were fish out there, I guess is the best way to say it, or using electronics that were just only downwards, you know, down facing and that's it. And that's all you had finding those schools and then marking them and going back and casting to them and that sort of thing. All that would come back. But to make somebody a better angler, honestly, it's not about what you can afford to buy to put on your boat. It's doing the things that you talked about earlier. Because if you took those away, which most people don't have them, but if you took those away, then they would be doing the same things that they used to do. They would be beating the banks, they'd be looking for structure, They'd be looking for that stump, They'd be looking for those rock piles, they'd be grass the grass, they'd be looking for, you know, old trees and that sort of thing. That's basically what you're saying, right? Not that don't buy it, don't try it. But you're saying, you know what? This is the way you need to learn how to fish is learn the basics first. Before you decide to come go out there and and buy all this heavy equipment,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say, I think there are guys out there that mm-hmm. maybe never spent a lot of time bass fishing, right? Um, or really understanding bass that can take those electronics right now. This is what's kind of crazy about it, and actually do probably a lot of damage just by because. Here's why I say that, because I feel like that whole forward-facing sonar train of thought and the why it's maybe not as easy to me as it may be for someone else um, is because the fish don't do what we thought they did. Like, I still have it in my brain that bass migrate into the backs of the pockets in the spring, and we're, we're really coming to find out that there's a whole group, of, there's a massive population of fish that we know nothing about. So having a trained brain and a trained mind to catch those fish would almost be a detriment to you i think you know Mm -hmm. because i think no i'm not talking about every lake but there's a lot of lakes i think there's a lot of bass that live offshore more that are very nomadic just move around swim around and live under bait very much like saltwater you know saltwater fish do that are now exposed um but you i think it just takes a different mindset to do that I, i guess the way i would look at it too back to the whole it takes a lot of work thing like the guy right. didn't spend enough time to get really good catching them shallow. What makes you think that if you gave him forward face and sonar that he would put the amount of time <laughs> in to get good at that, you know? But uh either way. It's uh they don't catch themselves. You gotta do uh takes a lot of work to catch these things, don't it?
0: Yeah, I mean you're out there <laughs> what do you what do you fish? Like five days a year?
1: <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, no. That's uh, a,
0: that's how you got really know, good, I right? Definitely... <laughs>
1: I definitely, the last, yeah, the last year, I've spent a crazy amount of time on the water. I had a couple of life events the last couple of years, but I really, really, overall, it's still a lot compared to most, but I would say this year, I've probably been on the water four days a week, which when you really think about it, it's a lot, you know. Um, yeah,
0: that's a lot. I but don't don't that thi- th- I don't have, I don't even have like, to think very hard on
1: that. Yeah, I mean, it just helps so much being out there all the time, even though if you, and it's not like, obviously, right. I think I've got it all figured out but like you would think you'd get to a certain point, especially even on the same fisheries that "Ah, I don't need to be out there figuring out already. know. I already know the deal. I already know. And dude, you don't. And like, you've got to go out there so many times, so many days, you still have to refigure them out because it's never the same, you know, and you're constantly having to get in this, you know, problem solving stage in your mind to have to figure it out all the time, you know? So that's coming from someone that's done this for, you know, 12 years now professionally and i'm still feel like being fishing as much as i can has helped, helped me a lot you know
0: yeah i mean there's still some guys out there i mean rick Clun's still out there right so i mean if if he hasn't got it figured out by now all the way then i don't know who would <laughs> that's a fact right
1: there there you go perfect example yeah it's i gonna mean, keep changing
0: right that's what's exactly. fun
1: about it though Yeah, it really was the same or the way that we want to think it is
0: that everything stays the same,
1: it would be freaking boring. Let's be honest.
0: Wouldn't it? Well, and that you know, and that kind of leads me to a couple of things. You know, we had talked about some of you know, you had an open win in the BASS, and and you had some some MLF cup events that you've won. Now you fished both of these events, and you know, one of the things you said was, you know, fishing this way, you know, not to go back in time here and talk about the forward-facing sonar again, but you know, you talked about how boring it is. Well, you know, to watch on TV. And that's basically where we're at nowadays, right? I mean, we're kind of like, you know what? Guys want to see what you guys are doing and they want to see it on TV and they want to see it now. They want to see it live. They want to see it as it's happening. Um, Which event have you, I mean, right now you're not fishing as you're just fishing MLF, right?
1: Correct, yep.
0: Okay, so between the two, And I don't want you to, I guess I don't want you to really compare them, you know, completely, but the two events, I mean, they both have an upside and downside, that sort of thing. Which one of you really felt like you fit the best in? Is it MLF right now, or is it just because that's where you've had more wins?
1: You know, it's funny when MLF started, obviously the format was a lot different than uh, BASF. The way we scored the fish to the practice, no practice, all that. I was definitely not that i want to say i'm good with no practice but i felt like i was better than the majority of the guys without practice so that was you know i was able to snatch up several MLF cup wins you know that way or day individual days and things like that um i i just for for a guy that's a visual target person like i just feel like i do better overall with very minimal practice um so i think mls from the beginning kind of suited me better but I also think, you know, is when I kind of, I started also doing better whenever I moved from Ohio to Gunnersville. I fished four to five days a week, you know, and was in literally like engrossed. Not that I wasn't engrossed in it before, totally into it before when I lived in Ohio, but you just could only do so much. Well, when I moved to Gunnersville, fishing MLF, yeah, the scoring was different, but I was just catching them on just a much better level at MLF because I think the timing was there, right? Um, now, I think it's to the point, or there's been a few years where I feel like I would have done much better in a five-fish format, which we now have, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And I w- it would have served me better at BASF. So, for me, I mean, I-, I think it wouldn't really matter which organization I was in, as it was just where I was at what point in my life, you know what I mean, as far as right. um, how much time I'm putting forth and, you know, where my game's at at the time, really, honestly, you know? Yeah. If my game's up, it doesn't matter which organization I'm fishing under. I don't think it would really matter. There's a lot of guys, dude, that was like, you know, thinking I was going to do really well this year that we're going back to five because my style has changed over the years since joining MLF. And for me not to catch them, it was like, oh, well, maybe five's not your deal. And I said, look, like, do you understand how bad I would have finished if we'd have had to count every two-pounder that I didn't catch today? Because I caught five (laughs) all day. I remember at KU, I caught five that weighed 21 and a half. But I caught five all day. Like, that's not – that's just not very good. You know what I mean? If I was right. in all – you and people would say, oh, best five. It takes way more – it's way more challenging to catch five big ones. Hey, we don't do that anymore, so I'm not trying to defend it. But Dude, I'm, I'm really lucky this year that we didn't count, count all of them. I was not <laughs> catching them. Um, so, yeah, the format to me, like, now it's obviously all five fish now. But what we had before, mm-hmm. I think that it was uh, – if you're catching them, you're catching them. If you're on your game, you're on your game. If you're not, you're not. I don't know if the format really – change that either way you know I, I i do uh i do in some ways feel like i wish we had like a 10 fish limit i think would be really cool but that's a whole other conversation but anyway
0: well yeah and, and again you don't have your you know you're weighing fish in you're not bringing them to the scales you're still on your five um it what and talking with you know I, I get you know this specific technique is boring to watch Do you feel, because I I know as a a person who watches some of these events, I feel that the old way of Every Fish Counts was definitely more um, exciting to watch. And the guy that was sitting on the lead, it was like he was never, in a couple events, I guess, (laughs) if they felt pretty good, but they were never confident that that was it. Like, that was enough. Like, that. I've got to catch another fish. I've got to keep going because if I don't, these guys are so good behind me that they are going to catch fish and they are going to catch up to, you know, Hey, I've got a 10 point, I got a 10 pound lead. That ain't nothing. If you don't have a 30 pound, right. lead, you're, you know, you're not there. Uh, do you feel that that's made a big change in the way that it's, I don't want to say boring to watch now, because if some guy gets five fish and he's up by 15 pounds, there's like almost no chance of anybody catching that, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah. he's, he's pretty much going to win this thing. So why should I keep watching? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, we've been back and forth so much, obviously, being an angler at MLF. You know, we all talk about what's – it wasn't even – it was never about, at least for me, it was never about what format do I prefer. It's always been about what format does everyone want to watch, right? Mm -hmm. That's all I care about. I'll do – we'll do whatever. And like I said, at the end of the day, I really don't think it matters that much. A lot of people seem to think that it did. When it really, but I can tell you by doing it and playing both formats, catching them' catching them and sucking, sucking you know like it's <laughs> a, yeah it, yeah, it really doesn't go much any other way, most the majority of the time, but I agree i I don't have the answer. I mean, I feel like right. we did the all you could catch thing. I feel like we did the all when I, you say all you can catch a two pounder is a pretty solid fish on most okay. fisheries. it's an adult bass, most places you go it's really not that easy to catch um but a lot of people claim to think i guess maybe at times we made it look that easy or guys made it look mm-hmm. that easy to catch that that aspect was boring and we was hearing that crying that they didn't like the format because maybe it was too many being caught and then you go like you said you lose. and the excitement was good at the end because kind of technically everyone was still in it you know if things started to happen for someone um whereas with a five fish you get like you said you mathematically boxed guys right. out like it's it's impossible right like yeah. you don't you didn't have that with that on format you know and it seemed like everyone wanted the five fish um and i feel like five fish can be extremely exciting but overall it's pretty boring and that's uh, i don't want to continue on anymore but uh <laughs> i feel like <laughs> the sport's been very stagnant for a long time i'll just say that yeah. and uh i don't know if going back to five was the best thing but it's seemed like the best thing that the fans wanted at the time so that was the biggest reason for the change
0: okay I mean I get that I I, it, you know I've been to you know the the different championships and I can say that a guy driving up on stage and pulling fish out of his bag that I have no idea how much he has is way more exciting than going up to a stage where he's pulling nothing out and I already watched it on tv so I know exactly what he has <laughs> you know that that yep. I, and it you know, and I don't want to bash Redcrest in any way, shape or form, because I think they have a great, you know, what they're doing is great. And I think it's important for there to be different styles in this fishing industry. And like you said, everything's been stagnant. And it right now, I can definitely say it's not stagnant. It, it's definitely trying to find, but it is trying to find its way. Is it going to be the next NFL out there? Probably not. Is it, you know, but that's what we'd like it to be. Right. That's what we want to see is these large events these large you know the super bowl of bass fishing you know is different and i like i said i've been to Bassmaster, i've been to you know i've been to the the classic i've been to red crest and i've seen them both and you know i've been to the championships and i've seen them and and i don't i don't want to say which one i think is better except for you know I, i i do like the overall weighing fish in at the scale So that's what I'll say about it. But I mean, you have your point. This has been a very stagnant sport and I think it needs to keep changing and needs to keep evolving because people do want to watch it. Now people are looking for it and I don't know how we're going to get to be the next NFL or the next, you know, whatever. When you do, let me know.
1: Yeah. I don't (laughs) know. Yeah. I don't know if the next, the reason why I say it's never going to be the NFL or major baseball or anything, if you just stop and think of the simple fact of most of the country right now, within a given reasonable 30 minutes to an hour drive or walk, call it whatever, mm-hmm. is, not, is they aren't accessible to bass fishing. They're just yeah. not like, if you look at most of the country, there's not even lakes around a lot of people, you know, <laughs> there's not, there's not enough water and enough, there's just not enough or enough people to really understand it. But you, there's football fields and baseball fields in every small town across America. Right. There's basketball courts. There's all those things. So, yeah, those people have an opportunity to participate in that sport, understand that sport. That's why it's become a bigger deal than fishing. Fishing is still huge, though, when you look at the grand scheme of it. Now, is bass fishing tournaments going to be as big as the NFL? No. I just Because of the reason I just stated. I just don't think, Enough, there's enough people, even though as big as fishing is, and as many eyeballs that are on it, it's still not small. I think a lot of people like, oh, I wish it was that big. I still think it's pretty big for considering, right? But oh, I just yeah. don't know if it'll ever get, I just don't think it'll ever get to be that top tier level sport um, because just not enough people can relate. You know, there's way more land than there is water within our country, and there's just not enough people that are going to understand it. And hey, honestly, that's we Yeah, as much as we want to grow the sport at the same time, if everyone
0: fished, well, there wouldn't be a bass to be caught. So there's the positive side of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And and I think one of the things you said there is people don't understand it the way that they do basketball, baseball, football. And it's not about anything other than they just don't understand it. They don't get why I will spend eight hours on my boat trying to catch a green fish. It's like, what, what did you do? It's like, Oh, that's great. How many beers did you drink? None. What, what are you talking about? That's how, that's how my grandfather did it. You know, you sat on the bank and you, you did this and you, you know, drank a few beers and then you got up and came home with nothing. Okay. Well, that's not, this is not the same sport that we're in right now. And I think, like you said, until that becomes more of a norm, I think it was still shocking to me was when the the thing that I heard the most when the cheating went on in the walleye tournaments, right, was these guys were talking about, God, did you hear that they were fishing for $100,000 or $30,000? And I said, so? <laughs> to me, that just, I mean, you guys are out there fishing for $100,000 all the time. That's, you know, and yeah, it was
1: that. that- there's a lot of people that didn't even really know that. Yeah, that was even a thing. I think when that was national news. Exactly. But here's yeah. what I'll say: living in Gunnersville, if there yeah. was a Lake Gunnersville, <laughs> if there was five Lake Gunnersvilles in every state, every state had five Lake Gunnersvilles,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or some kind of community like that. This would be. i not want to. I don't want to say it would be as big as golf, but right. it would be a lot closer. That's another that's actually probably a better comparison. There's yeah. golf courses everywhere in every county basically in this whole country. There's oh, not yeah. many gunners. You know, there's not enough people. To, hey, golf's a weird sport. I like it. I think it's strange. A lot of people <laughs> you know what I mean? a lot of people watching and they make a lot of money hitting them on the white balls around, right? Yep. But a lot of people yeah. can relate. I think this is the same way, it's just not enough people have been exposed to it.
0: Well, one of the things and there's we- nothing wrong with that. Well, and one of the things that we talked about during this show that I think people don't get, and it's something you just said. People go around and they hit that little white ball because the reason they're intrigued is because they've done it and they know how hard it is to do that. People don't Bingo. understand how hard it is to do what you do on these shows, on these, you know, they turn it on and they say, oh, some guy's fishing. They don't understand how hard it is to do what you just did. If they went out there and caught twenty pounds every time they went fishing, they wouldn't care. When they go out and all they can catch is five pounds, six pounds, two a uh, one two pounder all day, you know. And that was a very good point that you made. Two pounders, a full grown fish, that's very hard to catch sometimes. How many times do you go out yep. fishing and you all you can catch is pound and a quarter, pound and a half? I've done it a bunch on lakes that I live lost a pound and three quarters. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, catch that two pounder. If people just start to understand how difficult it actually is that this sport, how actually difficult it is to do what you guys do. They might actually understand it a little bit, a little bit more and go, wow, I just went out and spent $70,000 on a boat and put $30,000 worth of electronics on it and tow it with my, you know, $80,000 truck. Okay cool, now go to the lake and catch you know 15 pounds. Well, I could catch five today. <laughs> you know get it right. <laughs> it's extremely difficult. It's this is not a sport that's <laughs> super easy. This is a hard sport, a very hard sport to do what you guys do because there's always a winner and there but there's always a loser too. <laughs> you know and that guy worked his tail off just like you did and he wasn't even close to what you caught or she, you know? That's the part that I right. don't think people get about what you guys do and how hard it is to do what you do.
1: But how would they ever know if they never was able, you know, because of the way, like I was saying, with right. them, without having them, you know, they don't really – they haven't been afforded the opportunity to even know. And I, you're never going to change that, I don't no. think, you know. I hate to say you can't make it bigger. I just – I guess I'm saying right. that I don't think it will be, but that's not a bad thing because it still is big. Oh yeah. Um there's still a lot of eyeballs. There's a lot of participants still. Like it's still it's definitely not a small. I just yeah, NFL size <laughs> probably not, but still a big deal. <laughs>
0: no, I get that. And I, you know, and that's just that's just, you know, end of the show stuff we're talking about. And <laughs> I think the I think the first part of this show has been, you know, people learn should have learned a lot because Fletcher just gave you some great information on this. But we are at the end of this. We do got to wrap it up. And I want you to let everybody know out there kind of how to get a hold of you, how to how to keep watching you, how to grow this thing and how to really, you know, how do they get a hold of you and and pay attention to what uh, Mr. Fletcher Shryock is doing out there. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram. Feel free to send me a DM on there. I'm on Facebook, too. It's like forward slash F.S. Fish, I think Facebook forward mm-hmm. slash F.S. Fish. And uh don't be afraid to send me send me a message if you guys have any questions and uh thanks for listening. If you've made it this far. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: oh, everybody made it this far. We don't ever lose. We got lots of viewers our listeners out there, and they're you know, they're always here till the end. So everybody, thanks for tuning thanks, in Dad. to this show. And uh, you know, we really appreciate it here at the band pod you guys tuning in because our numbers have been going up rapidly, and we, we do appreciate you tuning in. So uh in a couple weeks we'll be right back out there and uh you know we'll have another great angler like this one and so thanks for tuning in y'all have a great night